Welcome to the Open Book Unbound podcast. Morning, Marjorie. Hey, Claire. How are you today? Good. Well and truly into October now. I know. It's always somehow a shock. Like, I always am surprised when the weather really firmly turns and that's it. I keep expecting the odd balmy day, but it's, I don't think it's going to happen now, is it? Well, for me as well, it's when the lights, you can't kid yourself anymore that the evening light has gone. I have to accept that winter is coming. So today our theme is protest and we're casting a spotlight on the Glasgow Women's Library 30th anniversary celebrations and in particular their Open the Door Literary Festival. They're partnering with a women's zone in Cape Town and the Africans Writers Trust in Kampala to look at writers and activists and they've got loads of really interesting resources and information and events happening all through the year and you can find out more on their website which is womenslibrary.org. UK. And they're showcasing Jackie Kay's poem, A Life in Protest. And that is a response to an artist's work, Ingrid Pollard. And she had an exhibition at the Women's Library in 2021. So we'll be talking about that poem and hearing it today. But I would really commend you to or recommend that you go onto the website, the Women's Library, because they have all the artwork that the poem references on their website. So Jackie's poem is made up of, I think, if I'm right, 12 stanzas. If you look it up online, you'll see lots of the beautiful images of the work. But we're going to read through about half of them and then stop for a chat because they're really packed and then keep going before we move on to Ginny's freedom. Do you want to kick us off, Claire? Sure. A Life in Protest. Straight from Elsie Ingalls, more or less, onto a demo, five months. Oh, get it. The Holy Loch. Fancy putting submarines on the Holy Loch. The Holy Loch. For we didn't want Polaris. My brand new mum carrying wee me. My brother in a pram pushed by Hugh McDermott. Blackberry on, bead eyes, lined face. But greet and in your tears you'll drink the hail clam jamfrey. 1974. When Madame Allende comes to Glasgow after Pinochet's coup and Allende's murder, we learn, venceremos, raise our fists, venceremos, venceremos, mil cadenas habra que rompe. Hasn't Madame Allende got beautiful hair, my mum says. Isn't Madame Allende inti tinti? At 17, you learned the truth and took to the streets, umpteenth time, back to the night, candle-lit processions, because the night belongs to women, blazing, banging saucepans, tins. Why should we stay in? Make men stay in. Why should the Yorkshire Ripper rule our lives? Fear in the night air, the moon cleaved by a butcher's knife. The stars jagged in the sky's dark bed. 1984. Marching, marching with pride through London. Lesbians and gay men dressed to the nines. Me with my double-headed axe. Yes, my denim dungarees. Bless, my pink triangle badge. My red kickers. Don't mess with me. Sing if you're glad to be gay. Sing if you're happy that way. Watching people watching us. Out in the streets. Staring. 
shouting, peering into the depths of us, like we were barely human, strange new creatures, many feathered, flamboyant. What do I remember, Ingrid? I remember staying with Sheila Shah in South London. I remember coming down from Glasgow and everything being different. I remember the first OAD like a first kiss and the first BLG, the euphoria, faces I've been missing my whole life. Olivette, Mo, George, Carmen, Gloria, Gail, Liliane, Hansa, Adoja, Femi, Bernie, Claudette, Vadney, Grace. Change your life's meetings at a woman's place. Or singing and dancing in that house in Brixton, Police and Thieves, Junior Marvin, Chaka Cans, I'm Every Woman, grinding and whacking, heads thrown back, we are family, we are family, I got all my sisters with me, tossing the dreads, locked smiles on our black and brown faces, I remember wearing an afro like Angela Davis. Or joining the women at Greenham Common, peering into their made-up lives, their tents and woolly jumpers, camp cookers and tin mugs of tea, their sparky, fence-cutting defiance and campfire peace songs. Woman tiger, woman love, help to save the world we love. Velvet fist and iron glove, bring the message home. Shall we stop there for a bit? Whew, yeah. There's a lot of history to get through there. <laughs> we did think about only doing part of this poem for this podcast, but we wanted you to hear it all. It does feel like it's Jackie's story or Jackie's family's story. That first stanza sort of sets her into being born into a life of protest. If you know anything about her and her history, you know she was taken to lots of sort of demonstrations and processes and things as a child, particularly around Trident. Jackie talks about the camaraderie and I mean, it's set against a background of dad in particular, but her mum too being activist in the Communist Party. I just imagine you're brought up by a village and that it was almost a sort of, you know, a family gathering, lots of friends, lots of people she knew. Well, Hugh McDermott's pushing her brother in the pram, which is just such a brilliant line. And right from the off, we get that strong women straight from Elsie Ingalls, which is the name of the hospital, the maternity hospital. Okay, because I looked it up and thought she was she was a doctor, right? And a, suffra a suffragette. And then, you know, the next stanza in 1974, when we're talking about Allende coming to Glasgow and that idea that you somehow connect it broadens out, right? It's not just about Scotland or Britain anymore. We're talking about fighting for change across the world. And that Spanish in that sense stands and means a thousand chains must break. But I don't feel like she's talking about Chile here. I think she's talking about race. I think there's an element as well in, in, of pride in the fact that this important, you know, widow of Chilean president has come to Scotland. Because Scotland was seen as a centre of solidarity for 
the Chilean exile community in much in the same way that Scotland was seen as a sort of supplier of supporters in the Spanish Civil War. I think you're right. I think it is broadening it out to wider what can we learn. But I think there's also an element for me of, you know, she choose to come here and look at her beautiful hair. And isn't she well, that made me laugh. Yeah, it made me the sublime and the to the ridiculous in a way, isn't it? But is that not the point that she's trying to make? And of course, I know we know if you know anything about Jackie's work in her life, you know, her mum's a huge hero in terms of political activism and things and a real model for Jackie. And yet her comment is about her hair and her size. And so it brings it back to some level, to some kind of humanness, I think, you know, the idea that even the biggest protesters are distracted by the way someone looks. But also it's a recognition that the way someone looks impacts the story they have to tell and whether they're able to get it across, which I think at least introduces that question of do only particular kinds of people get to make those statements or get noticed. And then I think we should keep moving because there's so much to talk about. I remember the Take Back the Night, you know, marches in the US as well. I probably wasn't aware of the Take Back the Night as much, or it certainly wasn't available to me as an opportunity to go out when I was in school in America, certainly not in Iran for reasons we all understand. But yeah, at college, it was a thing that everybody did. And it feels like maybe there are pockets of time in terms of the ages of the women that you tended to be with, but also pockets of places. So they might not have been happening where you grew up, but then maybe in Edinburgh or other places. So it's funny how we think of movements as kind of global movements or locations, but I think it's much more subtle than that. And it also just depends on almost finding yourself in the right time, in the right place, or maybe not, depending on where you are. Like if we flip to the next stanza, the gay pride marches in London, it feels shocking to me to read now that people looked at those marching with gay pride as other. I mean, of course, people are othered all the time now, but you know, it's not quite human. It doesn't feel like that should have happened in our lifetime. Yeah. And I mean, if you look back at the legislation in Scotland relating to education, it's incredibly recent that that legislation was changed. And yet, on the flip side, some of that language in that stanza, watching people watch us, you know, out in the streets staring and shouting, sadly, is still hugely relevant. You know, what are we, 40 years on from this time? Unfortunately, that community still feels watched and still can get real grief for just being themselves. But then moving on, um, you know, that beautiful line of names of women, which felt so comforting to hear you read. The act of writing them all down somehow feels like solidarity. If you could list the names of all the women, for example, that had an impact in your life or my life. It's like a litany, isn't it? It's like a connection by calling them by name, by it's almost like a reaching out to them. And yet I recognize this feeling of faces you'd been missing your whole life and didn't know it. You know, that's the idea of kind of finding your tribe. Absolutely, yeah. You don't know it until you find it. And also it's something that I wish I've sort of, when people say have said, oh, you know, what does she, what do you want? What would you like her to do? What does she want to do? I've always said, be healthy and find her tribe. You know, it's such a gift to have that. And not everyone does find their, find their tribe through their life. No. And I think sometimes your tribe to change, but I feel that that stanza that we're looking at is really about finding the shock of finding it and then calling it back up to mind. And it begins with this question, what do I remember Ingrid? And I know in the work that Ingrid put together and, and the art created, what she did was go back to the people in this lesbian archive that she was looking at and ask people what they remembered about that time. So part of 
I think Jackie's response to it is asking herself the same question that Ingrid was asking as part of the art. And people would then answer like, well, what I remember about the police force at the time, and that was that, you know, there were these six people in it or whatever. But what Ingrid was saying is that their answers were forming part of a living archive. And so this stanza feels very much like Jackie is making a kind of living archive of her tribe or the people that mattered to her across that period, which feels like a nice reflection, really. And then we move into the stanza about dancing in Chaka Khan, which just makes me laugh. I had to refrain from singing that. We are family. <laughs> like, there when we got to that in the pool. Go ahead oh, if I you did, want to sing, sing. I didn't. I Don't didn't. hold back on our account. <laughs> I felt I was, I was giving a formal reading. But in my head... <laughs> And then the Greenham Common stanza is really about the women's peace camp there, isn't it? And coming together. And it almost felt like a coming a coming full circle from the Polaris. Yeah, exactly. It feels like coming more into common current day. And what I love about this poem is there's real moments of activity and joy and kind of like the dancing stanza or the pride march stanza. And then there are real moments of quiet. Each one is about a kind of protest, right? And but this one is is a kind of protest that she's joining, but it's a completely different one. It's about sitting together and knitting and cups of tea and just the mere existence sort of of these women in this place is itself a protest. And, you know, sometimes I feel like under certain conditions, survival is a protest of sorts. You know, the fact that you, for some people, managing another day and managing to continue despite whatever's come before is a form of protest. But here, you know, waking up, being there, having a cup of tea is its own protest. The act of congregation is a protest, which I love. And I love that line, fence cutting defiant. You know, that's, that's another one of those small acts that we were talking about earlier of just marking your claim out. I wonder if we should keep reading. Yeah, do you want to read the next section? Yeah, of course. And the summer before last, nearly 60, I joined the protest, massed in my local park, and we took the knee next to the beach and the ash for a full nine minutes for George Floyd and the rest. And we were silent, just the breath of the trees, in and out, in and out, out and in, out and in, on our bended knees. I remember my mother, my father, marching to free Nelson Mandela, and Matthew too in his pushchair, raising his tiny fist, and everyone singing the specials, free Nelson Mandela, I'm begging you, the black and white anti-apartheid banners, which some pronounced apartheid and others pronounced apartheid. And much later in the lived life, my mother, my father, back at George Square under the Green Party banner, my dad with his silver infirmary-issued stick, my mum with her William Morris groovy one singing Give Peace a Chance at 78 and 73 and in 2003. Not in my name banners. Stop the war in Iraq. I'll not stop till I drop, my mother used to say, singing Paul Robeson's Joe Hill or suddenly, randomly on a clear May day. There is a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded whole, 
There is a balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. Later still, housebound with Suzanne at her side, my mother relaxed in her lift-your-feet-up turquoise armchair, a revolutionary in red dressing gown, her I may be old, but I voted remain badge on, sent by Frankie, her wide width, red slippers on. Let me go away from the Mississippi, Suzanne roars. Mom joins in. Sure thing, she says, sure thing. A call and response, sister. You tell it, sister. As the next door's high fence blows down in the winds, as city seagulls swoop down for stale scones, as winter rains flood the back garden, as the weeping willow weeps along, your willow, O willow, when the sun goes down, across a lifetime. You and me, we sweat and strain, body all aching, sure thing. I'm tired of living but scared of dying. Cause old man river, he just keeps rolling along, keeps rolling, he just keeps rolling. Sure thing, sure thing, sure thing. Beautiful way to end that, Mm. that old man river song, which of course is a reference to, you know, the lives of black people or people of color and the kind of difficulties and the fact that the river just keeps rolling anyway. I just love that sense of time and it's a real life lived in protest, isn't it? From five months old right the way through. I I really feel that you get a sense of that just being part of the very bones of Jackie's life, that that protest was, was just part of everything and speaking out. Yeah, and I guess one of the questions I have about the work is, you know, when you get to George Floyd, you think, oh, it's still happening. As in we haven't learned from what's gone before and we're making the same mistakes. Yeah, I just don't understand how it can still be happening. And I guess, there, you know, it's that kind of two steps forward, one step back thing of feeling there'll always be something to protest, of course. But particularly when I got to the George Floyd thing, I was thinking, how, how far have we come? Meaning not very far. And meaning, you know, that there's still this feeling of... Um, racism really in that particular instance there's a sadness about it for me which is probably not what Jackie intended but certainly what I felt reading it and then we move into that kind of really personal thing of I'll not stop till I drop that idea that you know a life is about activism a life is about moving something forward in some way and and coming full circle because now Jackie's two-year-old is in his pushchair raising his fist yeah, and that's, I mean, that's that idea of that, who are we fighting for? And reminding ourselves visually and kind of in these instances that the, the protests we're having now on a kind of serious level are about making things better for people we can see and people we can't. Um, you know, and it's a question I've been asking myself a lot lately is, you know, when we make these sort of bold statements who are the people we don't see? You know, I, I think about my children and their children and their children's children, you know, onwards. But but there's a whole cast of the globe, really, that we don't pay much attention to. Um, and so it's something I keep trying to bring back into my own thinking these days is, who am I forgetting? 
you know, yes, it's great to impact the lives of the people around me, but we live in this incredible first world still. So, you know, with a lot of resource. So even just that bringing Matthew to a protest is a good thing because it reminds us of who else we might not be seeing too. And yet, you know, the beautiful image of her mum at the end, still singing, you know, <laughs> um, which is a beautiful, beautiful way of being, you know, that that all you can do is raise your voice um, in in solidarity. And of course the poem ends on those sure thing, sure thing, which is which is a form of solidarity, agreeing and adding your voice as a kind of solidarity, still from her chair with her wide slippers on. Yeah. With her her groovy walking stick. I love that reference. I remember seeing Jackie's parents uh, at a book festival and I'm sure Jackie had an event that they were attending and her mum had a, um, it was either a water, you know, a walking frame or a stick, but it was definitely groovy and it just made me smile uh, that, you know, she'd, that the personality that you get, the sense of personality that you get from the poem was sort of reflected in the, uh, in the walker that she cho chose to use, walking frame. Yeah. Let that be a good lesson for us, a good um, reminder to us that you you get to be yourself as much as you want right to the end. And I love that. I love that idea of her wearing her badges and the Remain badge. And <laughs> I may the, be old, you know, all but I voted Remain. I loved that. <laughs> I love that because, you know, of course, the Remain Brexit situation is often blamed on older people who aren't going to be around um, to see the results of it, you know, down the line. So good honour. And that, the, the description of a revolutionary in red dressing gown was just perfect, wasn't it? It's aspirational, I would say, being someone who loves red. I want to be a red in a red dressing gown and extra wide red slippers. And a revolutionary. <laughs> so the, the we haven't even talked about the artwork that sort of intersperses the poem, but... A lot of it is sort of mixed media and um, the use of parts of the archive put together and collage and beautiful images as well. And some old and relevant journals and a whole kind of archive of things that are put together and photographed in different sequences, all with a kind of push button, which is interesting too. But again, go and look at it and, you know, think about it in contrast to what, um, or in connection with what Jackie's saying, because I think it brings her words to life even more, not that they need brought to life, but um, it definitely helps with some of the references too. In some ways, it's kind of a visual version of what Jackie's done, which mm. is what I suspect she was doing. And for me, the push button motif that is throughout looked a bit like a speaker, which I thought was a quite a nice link you know, the words and images kind of linked through that image. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And that, and the idea that you have to push as a, as an imperative, you know, that you don't just get to stand and be, that you have to decide to push and then you get a sound or you make a sound means implies a decision or it implies an action of some kind, however small. And so I suspect that translates in, in a way to what, Jackie's suggesting, which is that, you know, we have to choose to do something here. You have to choose to 
go out and join others or say something or engage or listen, even just the act of lifting, maybe the push button gives you a sound, but you have to choose to do it in that case. And I suspect that's true with the kinds of protests she's referencing too. Shall we read the poem that we've got connected? Yeah, shall I do that? And this is one of the commissioned pieces by the Edinburgh International Book Festival in 2018 as part of their Freedom Papers publication. It's called Ginny's Freedom by Eloise Greenfield. A few years now since freedom, and Ginny is happy much of the time, married to a good man who loves her, hears herself laughing now and then, But when will the other freedoms come? Freedom from missing her sister. Freedom from the nightmares of hate-filled faces that haunt her some nights, making her wail in her sleep until her husband holds her and gently kisses her awake. When, she wonders, will the rest of her freedoms come? That's a great question. And I guess, you know, kind of what I was referencing when we were talking earlier about you know, that dismay of not, not getting, not getting there yet. And will we ever get there? You know, that kind of overwhelm of protest. I think one of the dangers of protest, it's not danger of protest, but the dangers of, I guess, um, involvement in protest is the kind of overwhelm or that feeling of we're not getting anywhere. And the, and the sense of responsibility that I think comes when when you are when you're protesting and doing all you can and feeling you're not getting anywhere yeah or not making a change i mean part of the act of protest is the the hearing your having other people hear your voice um and and yet that isn't enough if you're protesting for change i'm pretty sure that's what jenny's freedom poem is about is that some of the changes come but maybe not all of them but also you might not be able to let go what happened before. So, you know, when she's saying, when is she going to be free of the nightmares? And I think that's a generational question. That's a question of how many generations do we carry trauma, right? Even if it, even if you get everything that you've asked for, how many, and and I think that we haven't, you know, in the case of race, in the case of gay rights, and in many things that we protest, we haven't gotten there yet entirely. But even if we do get there, how long before we're clear of it, how many, and I think it will be generations because of course scientists are increasingly learning how we carry trauma through our DNA and we pass it on to our children. But um, the question is, when do we pass it on, you know, and when do we let it go? And I don't think, I don't think the answer comes from the poem. And, And how much of that is within our control, which I think, you know, is, is as as much a, a, a terrifying question as any. If the answer is not much, and as you say, the the trauma carries through our DNA, regardless of what we do and how we live our lives and what decisions we make. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and I think thinking of that as a freedom is huge. You know, so it's not just about righting the wrongs and ha- giving people freedoms. But the freedom of fear from that past or the freedom of from the impact of that is a different kind of freedom. And I suspect one that's much more sort of insipid and hard for us to articulate and therefore hard to address as well. 
you know, because if you know anyone who's lived through sort of quite visceral violence or protests or war or whatever, you know, and I do, I know many in our family, um, they still dream about it, you know, 50 years later, they still dream about it. So as you say, it's not always within our control. And you might think that you've gotten through it and then it comes back. And so certainly not our generation anyway, um, I think will is away from that yet. But it's a different kind of freedom that we're looking for. And and as I think you might have said before we started this poem, in some ways feels like the flip side of what Jackie's talking about, which is the protest side. And then this is what we're aiming for, you know, that kind of freedom really. And I guess Jackie's poem is about freedom too, isn't it? It's about freedom to not be watched and freedom to be yourself and freedom to walk the night. And freedom to protest, you know, without, you know, on a very basic level, without fear of repercussion. Which I think we largely have here in Scotland, but in most parts of the world you don't. Yeah, but then also protest protesting is often with freedom in sight, you know, whether it's from nuclear arms or whether it's from policies that might ruin our environment or whether it's from, you know, racism or sexism or, you know, all sorts of things. But we're looking for freedom, I think, largely. You could probably encapsulate most protests as an as an aim for freedom of some kind, freedom from something that we don't want anymore. Um, so it's a really nice connection with this poem from Ginny. And the whole of the um, Freedom Papers includes these sorts of sort of um, ponderings on freedom, different kinds of freedom, um, and they're all still available online, uh, which is which is terrific. I think that's all we've time for today. Um, thank you so much for having us in your ears again, and we'll be back again next month. 